2: Ruler Long Reads is supported by Laka Bicycle Insurance. Laka is a team that looks out for each other. Their collective cover is made for cyclists, for life on and off your bike. Laka has flipped outdated traditional insurance on its head. No more fixed-up-front premiums. Instead, your monthly contributions are based on the collective's claims that month. Your maximum monthly price is capped, but the savings are all yours. Plus 80% of your money goes straight back into the collective. Fixing, replacing, helping, whatever. And the other 20% keeps their wheels spinning. It's as simple as that. And when things do go wrong, lacquer has got your back. Claims are handled by experts and usually agreed within a day, so no depreciation or excess. Lacquer does not do annual contracts locking you in. With lacquer, if you want to leave, you can, Anytime. If you're new to LACA.co, you can get a £10 credit by signing up today. Use the code RULER. Now then. Here's an infomercial message for the discerning folk of Rouleurland. For the finest long form cycling journalism and exquisite photography and design, why don't you simply subscribe to Rouleur Magazine? It costs as little as £7 per month. Regular columnists include Orla Chenwy, Roman Bardet, and me, Ned Bolting, accompanied by features from the best writers and photographers in the business. Simply go to rouleur.cc. You know this makes sense. How Slovenia, a country the size of Wales, became cycling's smallest superpower. Download the Ruler app and the whole of issue 19.5, in which this feature was published, is currently available for free. Use the code Slovenia.
3: Slovenia by Nick Christian, read by George Oliver. It is the last weekend in July 2018. Arriving back in the centre of Ljubljana after an arduous day of hungover mountain biking. My fellow stag-weekenders and I have been granted a few hours of freedom. Instead of spending the time staring at the ceiling of a darkened hostel room, I decide to seek out somewhere to catch the last hour or so of the final competitive stage of the Tour de France. I'm sure I'll be able to find somewhere, if I ask around. I aim for the Tromstovia, the group of three bridges that span the Ljubljana River and which marks the historic and contemporary centre of Slovenia's capital. From there I can see that almost every one of the lively bars and cafes spilling out onto the elevated banks of the river is showing the cycling. Not only will I not have to ask if there's anywhere showing the race, but I can take my pick of places to watch it. It's about Primoz, of course. The previous afternoon, while we made our way from airport to accommodation, I had followed on social media as Roglic won the stage into La Runes. A well-timed attack on the colonel d'Eau-Bisque, coupled with a characteristic display of descending dexterity, was enough to displace four-time Tour de France champion Chris Froome from the third step of the podium. Only temporarily, however, because that brave effort was also one too many. In the final day's time trial, the 28-year-old could not produce the power, losing more than a minute on Froome as a consequence and slipping back to fourth place overall. The locals watching the race outside the bar beside me don't seem especially disappointed. It's a confident summer's afternoon in Ljubljana, and fourth was the highest position a Slovenian had ever finished in a Grand Tour, until Roglic himself went one better at the Giro ten months later. Primoz is a phenomenon, the best of a generation or two of Slovenian riders. He might be the first of his countrymen to win one of the big three-week races. But he's far from the first to make a mark on cycling. His run of results in some of the biggest races of the last few years raises him above the level of his peers and precedents by inches, not miles. Katusha's Simone Spilak has twice won the Tour de Suisse, while Slovenian riders have been delivering in Grand Tours for years. They have ten stage wins between them since 2014, including at least one in every edition of the Giro d'Italia. Still, 2018 was an especially good season. More World Tour wins per head of population than any other nation, the smallest country in the history of the Tour de l'Avenir to originate a champion, two Grand Tour stage victories from Mohoric and Roglic respectively, the smallest country, population-wise, ever to qualify for a full complement of eight riders at the World Championships. At 20,273 square kilometres, to take the universally accepted measurement for geographical area of a Wales, Slovenia is a whisker under one Wales. It feels much larger. Slovenia's longest border is with former Yugoslav sibling Croatia to the south. Its western frontier across the Julian Alps connects it with Italy, while Austria and a small stretch of Hungary lie to the north. If this semi balkan nation of two million people has managed to fly under the cycling radar for the last few years, its team was impossible to ignore at the men's senior road race in Innsbruck. In their distinctive green uniforms, the team's riders spent extended periods on the front of the peloton. A crash put paid to their leader Roglic's hopes, but this young European nation, which many might struggle to locate on a map, had announced itself to the world of cycling. Three and a half months later, and I find myself back in Ljubljana, this time with more respectable intentions. To see the nation beyond the bars of its biggest city – and to figure out what it is that enabled such a small country to punch so far above its weight in the sport. The photographer, Yaka, is serving as my guide and chauffeur for the week. He meets me at the airport. Over the week I will learn at least as much about the country's character from him as from my various meetings with figures from Slovenian cycling. Our first meeting is with officials from Team Bahrain Merida. Although Middle Eastern oil profits provide most of the financial backing, the team is increasingly Slovenian in character. Although officially registered and based in Bahrain, it had recently opened a communications office on the outskirts of Ljubljana. From senior management to soigneurs via mechanics and chefs, the team's staff is drawn disproportionately from Slovenia. There's the six riders too, of course. We have arranged to meet the team's head sports director, Gorazd Stangel, at a shopping mall near Novomesto. Mesto, before accompanying him to a newly built nearby velodrome that is holding its official opening that same evening. As we drive south, Yaka points out a plaque beside the highway near Medvedjek. It marks where six Yugoslav truck drivers were killed in an airstrike during the Slovenian independence war in June 1991. It's also a profound reminder of the youth of this nation, barely older than most of its current crop of professional cyclists and younger than several of them. The velodrome, the first indoor track in Slovenia, will give local riders a place to train in winter, saving them from having to go abroad. Pulling up beside the impressive but simple white domed structure, I notice a sign proudly proclaiming the contribution made by the European Union towards the cost of its construction. Novomesto, the name means simply New Town, is home to Adria Mobile, one of the country's two current UCI continental level men's teams. It's the one to which Bahrain-Merida is most closely tied, though there are currently no material connections. It cannot, for the time being, at least be considered a feeder team. Several of the current squad went through what Stangle refers to as the Slovenian School for Junior Riders. It's the same one he himself graduated from, before moving to neighbouring Italy to make his way in the sport as a higher-ranked amateur and later a young pro. That was where the spaces were it was what every talented Slovenian rider did back then. He achieved some significant results there, winning the Trofeo Melinda in 2000 and the Giro di Toscana a year later. As an older pro, he found himself on the same liquid gas squad as his current team's captain, Vincenzo Nibali. The team was born just thanks to him, says Stangl. More important to the team's birth even than the Sicilian, however, is a man named Milan Urgen, Viewed as something of a godfather figure within Slovenian cycling, he rode at a reasonable level himself, and was later DS at Adria Mobil. He is often credited with the discovery of Primoz Roglic, although the rider and his team have denied any connection. Stangel holds him up as the man most responsible for the creation of the team, the one who put together the different pieces like a jigsaw puzzle. He found Bahrain, who invested the biggest part of the team's funding, he found Nibali. He found Merida. He put the lot together and he created the team. Despite this vital role, Urgen is conspicuously absent from the staff section of the team's website. He is referred to just once across team Bahrain, A few weeks before this story's submission, it was announced that Bahrain Merida's 32-year-old rider Christian Koren and sports director Borat Bozic were suspended in relation to the Operation Adalas blood-doping inquiry. A little over a week later, news broke that the UCI was investigating Uržen in connection with the same doping probe centred on German physician Mark Schmidt. The team's communication director had not replied to our request for comment at the time of going to press. While their biggest names might not be Slovenian, Stengel takes pride in the fact that the spine of the team, and a significant share of its backroom personnel, are. He thanks Uržen for that as well. Why Slovenians? Because he's a Slovenian guy. Keen to get to understand what it is that sets Slovenian riders apart from those of other countries in the peloton, I ask what it is that appeals to Stengel about having a core of them on his team. He initially misunderstands, taking my question to be an accusation of favouritism. We're not taking them in the team because we know them, or because they are privileged, he insists. We're taking them because we know they are good. In Stengel's view, far from being beneficiaries of any sort of positive discrimination, Slovenian riders have, for too long, paid for a privilege afforded to others. For him, the homespun talent that the rest of the world has begun to pay attention to is neither new nor phenomenal. It's always been there, in at least as much abundance as that of any other country. The difference is that it's recently been allowed, and begun allowing itself, to come to the fore. Pressed to name a quality that distinguishes Slovenians from other cyclists, Stangl struggles at first to come up with something. They are really good workers, he offers eventually. When we ask them to work, it almost never happens that they give 60% or 40%. Never. They give everything. This exceptional ethic of endeavour and discipline, he believes, may stem from Slovenia's having a sense of itself as an infant nation, one still with something to prove. Slovenia has nothing like the racing pedigree of Italy, France, Spain, Belgium, or even Great Britain. We still have the feeling that we are small and need to respect others," says Stangl. I'm reminded of the less complimentary way Jaka earlier described the national character. "We're a nation of peasants," he had said. "We've always been ruled by somebody." Leadership does not come naturally, it seems even to prodigious talents like Matej Mohoric, who, despite his successes, would prefer to ride in service to others. We're still not ready to put our heads over the wall, Stangel says. This perception of Slovenian riders as reliable support staff who sometimes achieve good results might be well-founded, but it's also changing. In the past few years at least, a couple of riders have taken themselves towards cycling's top table – Yet just as bahrain Merida's biggest name riders are not Slovenian, with the exception of Mohoric, Slovenia's biggest names are still not riding for bahrain Morida. For Stangel, this is evidently a sore point. We would like to have him, he admits of Primoz Roglic. The director Sportif believes Jumbo Visma do not give Roglic the backing they would to a comparably talented Dutch rider, or that he would be given at bahrain Morida. In the 2018 Tour of the Basque Country, where he won the GC, he was actually racing alone. He did everything with his legs. It's his view that had the Dutch team put their collective capacity behind Roglic at the Tour de France, including instructing Kreisweik to ride for him, the Slovenian rider would have finished on the podium. I can probably guess what Stangle makes of Roglic's barely-there Giro d'Italia support in spring 2019. Yet Stengel is nothing if not determined to get his man. He's a special guy. He's a little like an artist in his own world. We're sure we're going to have him. I just hope it's not after his best years. Similarly, Stengel feels that UAE Team Emirates Neopro and Tour of California winner Tade Pogacar ought to, and one day will, be riding for the de facto Slovenian World Tour team. His best explanation for riders turning down the team is that Bahrain Merida, like Slovenian riders historically, is not taken as seriously as some established teams. Maybe we, from the outside, don't look very good. While there might be something to that, the truth, I'll later discover, is more innocent. UAE team emirates were simply faster out of the traps. As a rookie, Pogacar rode for the Ljubljana-based continental team Ljubljana-Gusto-Zaurum, rather than Adria, which has close connections to UAE team Emirates, who are still essentially a reskinned skinned Lampre Merida, and who have taken numerous Slovenians over the years. What's more, his former sports director at LGX, Marco Polank, is the father of Jan, another Slovenian who has won stages of the Giro d'Italia and worn the Maglia Rosa. Stangl sees the fortunes and identity of his team as intertwined with those of Slovenian riders, and to a certain extent, with those of the nation itself. One of his goals for Bahrain Merida, as well as cementing its place at the top of the world tour, is that it will give his countrymen chances they have found harder to obtain elsewhere, and to challenge outside perceptions of it as a second-class nation. We need to wrap up. Late afternoon has given way to early evening, and Stengel has already granted me more time than I was expecting. The preparations for tonight's party, happening beneath our feet, are almost complete. Before we conclude, the conversation turns briefly to doping. It's Stangle who brings it up, apparently seeing that it was coming. The sport's history being what it is. Eyebrows are always raised at the performance of a rider, a team, or even, especially, a nation, appearing to make a sudden improvement. But Stangle insists that Slovenia is no worse than anywhere else. I think as a percentage it's the same, he says. Moreover, he compares contemporary cycling culture as a whole very favourably with that of his own. I believe the generation has changed. I raced with Pantani and so on, and I'm very happy that it's changed. It was not nice riding a bike. I was not proud many times. The next morning, Matej Mohoric is already waiting with a coffee when we arrive at the sports bar just across the street from his team's office. He is back for just a few days from his full-time home in Monaco, one of the reasons is to spend time in the wind tunnel to improve his TT position. The 2018 season might have been the best of his career to date, with a Giro stage, Deutschland Tour, and BinkBank Tour victory, but time trialling remains a weakness. While Stengel was engaging and generous, but somewhat severe, Mohoric is bright eyed, bouncy, and endlessly enthusiastic. The kind of person who leaps out of bed the moment his eyes open in the morning. When I tell him what his boss said about his indefatigable willingness to work, Mohoric agrees that it's a fair description of him. He's less confident that it's a common characteristic, however. I think that's how I am, but not how every Slovenian is, he says. I don't know if it's a defect or an advantage. I've always been like that. Defect might be an exaggeration, but this enthusiasm is not always without cost. His coaches tell him to train less, not more. It's apparent in races too. Sometimes, as at last year's Milan San Remo, ill-timed attacks can serve as slingshots for his rivals, meaning all the effort has been for nothing. Still, better to be running into walls than walking. Failing fast, as they say in Silicon Valley. It's also easy to forget that although he is in his seventh season as a professional, former junior world champion Mohoric is only 25. Still very much in the development phase of his career. Like his sports director, Mohoric thinks that the recent bubbling to the fore of Slovenian cyclists has more to do with increased opportunities than ability. I think there's always been great talent, but maybe it didn't come out as much in the past, he says. If you went to an Italian team, they would prefer an Italian instead of a Slovenian to win. A virtuous circle has emerged. When Slovenian riders are able to take advantage of their chances, more are created, so far, there's not many riders who have really disappointed the teams who have invested in them, he says, pausing for a moment. Success brings more. Like Stengel, Mohoric thinks that the staffing structures in place at Bahrain Merida are helping unlock more Slovenian cycling potential. He's certain the switch has accelerated the release of his own. Maybe when there was not so many Slovenian staff involved in cycling teams, they were not respected as much as they are if they come to a team that's partly Slovenian. Mohoric draws extra motivation from the idea of being an ambassador, though not the way round you might expect. He might have the national stripes on the front of his jersey, but rather than looking to raise the profile of his country, he hopes that by winning races, he can help make cycling more popular in Slovenia. I think it's nice to be a part of something bigger than yourself. I'm surprised to learn from him that there isn't already a strong, strict youth cycling culture here. Given the abundant success of its riders, Surely they came from somewhere. Wasn't he on the drops before he could walk? For me, it was just a way of spending my free time and finding new friends. I think it's like that for most of the kids that start practising cycling. Some teams do have a talent search programme promoting cycling in schools as a way of spending free time, but it wasn't how I started. There were some people cycling as a way of healthy lifestyle, he says, but not nearly as many as there are now. Even the driver culture has changed recently. They have more patience and more respect for people that go out and ride their bikes. If the culture hasn't historically been conducive to cycling, then perhaps the terrain. From what I've seen so far, Slovenia seems to have a lot of geography packed into a pretty small space. We have plenty of flat. We have plenty of super small Belgian-style hills. We have some bigger hills that are similar to those you find in the Basque country. Then we have proper mountain passes – Not that many, but still enough that you can train on. Rather than playing a part in the sheer volume of quality cyclists coming out of Slovenia, Mohoric sees a closer connection between the variety of landscape and the range of ride the country is producing. Of its world tour contingent, no more than two or three Slovenians are especially alike. There's no two super GC specialists or climbers, no two sprinters or no two one-day specialists. The young rider smiles when I suggest that he's probably the only real ruler as well. Maybe the most important reason behind the success, Mohoric continues, is that sports culture is more prominent in Slovenia than other countries. And Kopitar is one of the best NHL ice hockey players. And we have Goran Dragic and others who are really good basketball players. We have really good football players. Considering there's only two million of us, it's really successful in general. It's time for the photo shoot. Mohorich thoughtfully pays for my espresso as well as his own, grabs his marida and we follow him into the hills. He then proceeds to ride up and down the same stretch of road until Yaka has all the shots he wanted. He'd go all day if we asked him to. Our final appointments of the week take us to the operating base of the country's other continental cycling team, Ljubljana Gusto Zaurum, and its sister women's world tour team, BTC Ljubljana. I've arranged to meet Tomáš Gurm, president of the Slovenian Cycling Federation, and Andre Haltman, head coach and head of selectors for the Slovenian national team. Haltman was something of a pioneer himself, the first Slovenian to stand on a world championships podium when he finished third in the men's road race in 2001. Unlike Mohoric, whose knowledge of the difficulties of life in pre-independent Slovenia come mostly second-hand, both men are old enough to remember what it was like. In the past, we had to wait on the border for hours and hours to enter another country, Hauptmann says. Even then, we had to pay a deposit so we could leave Yugoslavia. When we entered the EU in 2004, we became a new country, a part of a big family. I mentioned the prominent signs I'd seen of EU influence throughout our travels, at Novomesto and elsewhere. Has the rapid rate of integration with Europe contributed to the rise of the nation's success in cycling? It brought many more possibilities, Houtman agrees. We feel very European. Bahrain Merida has also created opportunities for Slovenian riders. Even if it's not, we feel that it's part of Slovenia, says Houtman. Gurum calls it a positive inspiration for young athletes, showing them there is a pathway to the top of the sport. The team might have missed out on Pogacar, but in the future, he says, the team will be first in line to get the best riders. Just as Mohorich said, Success brings more. Hauptmann can personally testify to the power of example. He links his first big victory, the Grand Prix de Forme, to seeing Stengel take top spot at the Trofeo Melinda two weeks earlier. I realised if someone who grew up with me can win, I could too. Then in 2000, he was 11th in the Worlds. I said, wow, so it's possible. The year after that, I won a medal. The mindset of Slovenians has moved by an order of magnitude ever since then, he believes. This generation now, the young riders, the young professionals, they are focused not on top three or first five in a stage. They have the mentality to win. I won a medal, but if you had asked me before the start, I'd have said my goal was to finish the race. If you ask our professionals, they will say, yes, we'll win a medal. They are prepared. I was not prepared. Maybe we will not win a medal this year, but we are ready. Cycling is here. Gurum emphatically agrees. Now we are at a point where everything is possible. With the riders we have now, everything is possible. So where have all these winners come from? The truth is, they've not come from anywhere. They've always been here, waiting in the wings, hiding in plain sight. The missing ingredients appear to have been opportunity and outlook. The more opportunities Slovenians have been given, the more races they've won. The more they've won, the more they're seen as winners rather than extras, and the more opportunities they're given at the forefront of top teams' plans. On top of all of this, there is the sense that Slovenia, as a nation, can be anything it wants to be. Though not without history or heritage, it is, in many ways, still in its adolescence. Its modern identity is up for grabs. Why should cycling not claim a piece?
2: You've been listening to Slovenia by Nick Christian, read by George Oliver.
1: Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen